Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Eagle Eye today. Every week, we have exclusive interviews with BC professors, alumni, student athletes, and more. Make sure to follow The Heights on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to catch up on the latest headlines and recommend guests you'd like to hear from. And check out The Heights' YouTube page for exclusive video interviews. Joining us today are two guests, co-founder and CEO of ThreadUp and Boston College Class of 2001, James Reinhardt, and ThreadUp's Director of Project Engineering and BC Class of 2016, Mike Rocco. Founded in 2009, ThreadUp is an online clothing resale site for women and kids carrying brands such as Nike, J.Crew, Gucci, and many more. The brand focuses on sustainability and has previously collaborated with celebrities like Olivia Wilde to advocate for secondhand shopping and encourage prevalent brands to think sustainably. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. So let's start a little bit farther back. James, before founding ThreadUp, you worked in education for a number of years. What inspired you to change direction, to focus on secondhand clothing and start an online platform? Well, I, uh, yeah, I spent six years in education. I was a teacher and I helped uh, work at a public charter school. And then I went back in, to do business school and a joint degree at the Kennedy School of Government. And uh, when I was in business school, I actually had a closet full of clothes that I wasn't going to wear. And I went to sell them uh, at a local consignment store and they wouldn't take them. And so they said, oh, we just do luxury. We just do, uh, we don't do men's. And I thought, well, this is stuff that I have that's um, really valuable. It's got to be worth something. And I think that sparked the idea that the secondhand industry was right for disruption and that you could build a business there. And, um, and that's how I got started, uh, trying to figure out how to build a better, a better resale industry. That's great. So, Mike, you've been working at ThreadUp for almost nine years now, starting as an intern while an undergrad at BC. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about your role there and what drew you to the company in the first place, this idea of a sustainable resale company that James touched on a minute ago? Yeah, um, I'll start with the second half of the question first. So I was actually in Tech Track with Professor Gallagher in 2014. Um, and I did not know about ThreadUp. <laughs> and um, believe it or not, I was not super passionate about used women's clothes. But <laughs> when we visited, um, I am not from the Bay Area or Silicon Valley. And so walking into a startup environment where there was, it was like one large room with a few conference rooms, it was just uh, it was foreign, but very intriguing to me. And um, they were like, does anybody study computer science? And I was like one of the few people in the in the class that raised their hand. And so that's how I got into ThreadUp. Um, yeah, so I started as, um, I mean, when I was starting, I was in, I had like completed CS 101. And so I knew the bare bones <laughs> um, of software engineering, but I started with emails and notification stuff. And so I was doing, um, yeah, I was helping like the day-to-day uh, retention team send out what they needed to do to retain customers and scope slowly expanded from there, especially when I started full time. Uh, and now I basically run all of product engineering for the core marketplace. And so I work with products very closely to make sure that their needs are met and that my team is working on impactful things for the business. So helpful, I think, for students to hear about how you can take different paths and kind of just if you're open to opportunities, there are so many different companies that we don't even know of that are doing really important things. Obviously, ThreadUp um, places a big 
emphasis on sustainable fashion, reducing waste. Um, why do you think that this is so important? And I guess also for you, Mike, have you, how have you grown in your uh, maybe thoughts on climate change and reducing waste since joining the company um, in a time where there's a lot of talk around fast fashion and climate change? Um, well, look, I mean, I think that the, the company didn't start off, um, you know, specifically like, oh, we need to like solve the climate crisis or solve um, you know, this building a more sustainable fashion future. But I think the thing about when you start a company is there's certain things that you're like, you're trying to do and get right from the beginning. And then there become sort of emergent, you know, values and opportunities. And I think we learned early, you know, 2009, 2010, that um, there really was something that we could do, you know, do good in the world. And so I think the mission of the company sort of evolved from, you know, how do we build a business that helps people, uh, shop secondhand and shop sustainably into, you know, how does it build a, how do you build a business with a mission to really like make a difference in the world? And so I think that part uh, has evolved over the past 10 years where originally it was, um, you know, building a better, a better platform. And now we're really advocates and enablers of sustainability kind of worldwide. And so we advocate, you know, with governments, we advocate, you know, with think tanks, we work closely, as you guys mentioned with brands, uh, to help them become more circular and more sustainable. So um, it's kind of exciting that, you know, it started with trying to build, you know, a, a sort of a cool business uh, in second hand. And now like the mission of the company, I think is making like a huge impact in the world. Uh, so I think that's been an exciting journey. Yeah. I'd say um, when I was looking for like full-time roles, I wanted to, it didn't have to be about climate, but I did want it to be, um, there to be some social good that was part of it. And there, you know, so many jobs where maybe you don't feel great about what you're doing. Um, but so I would say, yeah, I, I really grew to love that aspect of the job. And I felt like I could go to bed at night feeling really good about the work I'm doing. The other thing I would say is um, there's oftentimes we discuss things that you can do on a micro level of how you can help the environment and go green. But I've, I feel like this is a macro level change that we're helping facilitate um, through culture and that it feels more impactful than uh, recycling or reducing how much red meat you're eating or, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, yeah. I think that's so important, you know, thinking about how the company can almost change with the times and this focus on sustainability. And I think that's how it also makes an impact is being able to make that change and integrate those things that are happening in the world now. Studies have shown because of increased awareness about the impacts of fast fashion and even just rising retail prices in general, that the amount of secondhand shoppers is increasing. Have you seen an increase in customers over the past few years because of this at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that Definitely, there is this generational, you know, shift to wanting to be more sustainable, right? I mean, you see it, um, you know, not just with with um, millennials, but, you know, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, where, um, and I often refer to them at the company as the difference between people like, who, you know, my age, who I'm, I'm in my 40s, and uh, shopping secondhand was not something that, like, you necessarily did on a regular basis. It was something you did once in a while. Whereas I think younger generations, I, I sort of refer to as digital, uh, the sort of resale natives. 
And there are people who grew up, you know, shopping secondhand and it was not, uh, there's no stigma attached to it. And, um, and so I think that is really driving, you know, a big part of this market uh, is it's cool to shop secondhand now. Right. And I think thread up, uh, not to give us too much credit, but, but we deserve some of the credit where we've actually made that happen. Um, I think our existence has made shopping secondhand uh, cool. And, and I think that's like a nice compounding um, uh, return uh, for the company, but also for, for the environment. With this increase of shoppers and this focus on secondhand clothing and shopping being cool, like you said, do you also see an increase in the amount of people willing to sell their clothes? How do those numbers kind of compare? Yeah, definitely. I think we've helped educate people around the idea that your clothes that you're no longer wearing do have, you know, can have a second life. Uh, and I think people always sort of intellectually knew like, oh, this stuff is not like shouldn't go in the landfill. Uh, but I think now we've we've given more uh, agency to people to sell and get rid of the things that they're, they're no longer wearing. And and I think often you know, we've been getting, you know, people have been for a long time giving stuff to Goodwill or giving stuff to charity, uh, which has always been, I think, a, a good uh, thing to do. The difference is, I think, you know, people don't realize that about 70% of the stuff that you give to, to say Goodwill, you know, doesn't really end up being recycled, you know, it doesn't get end up being used. And it's not because Goodwill is not doing a good job. It's just there's so much stuff. And so I think where ThreadUp kind of steps in is to build another mechanism for uh, clothes to be, you know, recirculated and reused. And I think that's like pretty exciting. Um, and so I think, you know, you bring more sellers on the platform. If you, if you get the right stuff, you attract more buyers and um, it's a nice virtuous flywheel. You use the word cool, which I think is a really like pivotal word because it's interesting how trends come and go. There used to be a big stigma and it was sort of people in need who couldn't afford maybe higher end products who were, who were buying secondhand. Um, but I think even still, despite the benefits of thrifting and sustainable shopping, there's sometimes a debate around whether it's almost even like ethical or like acceptable to purchase secondhand clothing when the people buying can easily afford to purchase full price or new items. Um, have you witnessed any like controversy at all around that topic? I don't think we've witnessed any, any controversy around it. Um, I think, uh, I think it's a nice world to live in when there's so much demand for secondhand that people are competing over it. Um, I think that's like an amazing future where so many people want to reuse things that, um, that there's competition. So, uh, so no, we've not, we've not seen any of that. And, um, you know, I think the bigger issue is how do you build uh, even more ways for people to, to make sure that they take care of the things that they're no longer wearing, um, that they put them to good use, that people don't take the path of, of really least resistance, which is to throw stuff out. Um, and you even think about like how students like come and go on campus and like at the end of the semesters, like are people really doing the best that they can to make sure that um, their clothes that they're not gonna wear, you know, find a new home. Um, I think those are really important things for, uh, for people to recognize. Can you give us a quick overview for our listeners who maybe have never bought online before about just like how Startup works and how you came to put together the like current operating system? Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's shopping Startup is like shopping on the internet. You know, I mean, it's shopping online. You can browse by 
category, by size, by style. Uh, every item that we have on Thrive is unique. And so I think the distinguishing feature for us is every day we're putting online 10, 20, 30, 40,000 unique pieces of clothing. And so every day it is the equivalent of, you know, 20 new stores, right? I mean, we probably put more stuff online every day than like hangs on Newberry Street, right? I mean, that's like sort of the, the experience of, of shopping on ThreadUp. And, um, and uh, I mean, that's kind of it on, on the buyer side. We have uh, four facilities, operating facilities around the country where we process all of the incoming goods. So Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, uh, Texas, and Arizona. And so you shop out of one of those facilities um, and everything in those facilities, you know, there's about 1400 uh, associates, ThreadUp team members who are doing all the processing in the facilities, making the clothes available for sale. And I'm trying to create an experience, you know, that Mike and his team, you know, work on where shopping secondhand is really indistinguishable from shopping new. And that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, this is part anecdotal, part backed by what we hear from customers, but I feel like we're addressing one of the largest grievances with shopping secondhand in real life, which is it's just, there's like a huge time commitment to sifting through thrift stores and finding something that you want. And it is much easier to just go on threadup.com and you can filter very quickly. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, and you can do it 24 hours a day, <laughs> yeah, right, from your phone while you're waiting for the bus. Um, so it's, you know, bringing kind of the modern consumer experience, you know, yeah. to sort of a thrift industry. Yeah, and we're listing new stuff every hour, so. Yeah. I can say as a college student, I don't find a lot of time to go shopping anywhere. <laughs> so I think definitely there is a benefit to having an online platform for thrifting, especially because it's such a popular thing now, especially among college students who might yeah. be trying to save money or just, again, like want to support the environment. Um, and speaking of BC, is there anything that either of you learned from your studies or extracurriculars there that you still keep in mind or use in your careers today? Maybe James, for you, that was something you used in starting the company or Mike, for you in your role for working there for this many years, um, can you speak a little bit about that? Go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, I I really like the when I was at BC, I really liked the focus of service and and helping others. And I think, um, you know, I, I took Pulse. I hope that's still a class that's offered at BC. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, obviously the the community service that you do in that class is far more grassroots. But I think one of the things I took away from that is um, there are many different ways that you can help people and society. And so you can do grassroots things and, and focus on maybe how, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do grassroots for the environment, but there's also a lot, sometimes more impactful things that you can do, um, like working at a company that's mission is um, helps the environment. So. Yeah, I would, I mean, to echo that, I think, um, I think for me, it was more, I was a history major and I took a lot of philosophy classes. And I think that, um, I think more of the stuff that I spent time on in school was, was really about how I, how I am a leader at ThreadUp and how I build culture and, and how do you, you know, build a team. And so I'm much more sort of philosophical about, you know, the, trying to build a great place to work 
uh, trying to make sure that people, you know, have engaging and challenging careers. And so I think a lot of the humanities training for me was, was about that um, and, and sort of my leadership style. So um, I think a lot of that was important, you know, for me as the person that I am today. That is really important. Very true to our motto of being men and women for others. Uh, and I think that it's important for students to hear that there are um, jobs and companies out there who are trying to foster that sort of environment. Classes like Pulse, Courage to Know, help students kind of discern what kind of person they want to be, but then it's hard to figure out where to channel your energy and what avenues will let you actually enact that in your day-to-day -day while still being successful and making money. These are questions that a lot of students have. So do you have any advice for BC students hoping to get involved in the sustainable fashion industry or maybe just entrepreneurship in general? Um, I, I don't think there's like a, there's no generic answer for any one, you know, one student, but I think similarly to the advice often that students get about um, what to study in college, you know, study something that you're passionate about and that, you know, you, you, you can do well and, um, and be excited. I think, you know, your career out of college is something that like, I think if you do something that you're passionate about and, um, where you get out of bed every day and you're like, Hey, I really, I really want to go to work today. And I want to work with those people and solve those problems. That tends to be like a pretty good fit. You know, I think that's why when I graduated, I went, I was a teacher because I was like really inspired, um, to, to be a teacher. And so I taught eighth grade and I taught 10th grade and I didn't make it, I didn't make any money. And, um, but I, it was some of the best years of my life. And so I, I think that the advice of like doing something that you really are passionate about, um, and I think, you know, Mike's a good example of that, of, um, uh, I think it's probably the right answer. What would you say? Uh, I mean, I think of a lot, I often think about when I was in college, how, um, I really wanted to work in tech and I felt like it was a very intimidating industry to get into. Um, and I remember thinking of all of the reasons in my head why I couldn't do it. And I look back and so thankful that I kind of jumped right into the deep yeah. end. And um, I mean, it was hard, but it was it felt very rewarding um, yeah. and challenging. And I feel like it really changed the trajectory of my career for the better. And um, so I would say, if there's any advice, like dive in to whatever it is that you're, you're passionate about, um, don't hold back. Yeah. We talked a lot on the podcast, we've talked about it in the past that people taking these opportunities that they have either from BC or that they find through an internship or something like that, if you're passionate about it, it can open doors in different areas. Like for you, James, you started with education and now are the CEO of ThreadUp. So, and for you, Mike, continuing on your path with what you want to do, I think one of the questions I hear from BC students is people wondering, oh, what if I don't end up doing something related to my major? Is that okay? Do I have to stay on the same career path? And I think it's nice to see that it can kind of work in both ways after graduation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, I think Mike probably spends more of his time managing people and people's own problems, you know, than, than, than being an engineering, than being an engineer. Right. And so, um, the, your careers definitely evolve. I mean, um, and, uh, but I think finding time to like work with people that you really like working with is probably the other piece 
of this. Um, so it's passion, but it's also passion in people. Um, so what were you going to say? I was also in CSOM. So <laughs> while I'm in management now, I did also, I, I study both. Um, but yes, fair point. You don't have to, I, there's a life beyond college and um, your, whatever you do in college is not a definite, you know, it doesn't define your, your future paths. So. Do you have a favorite anecdote of maybe anything related to um, your experiences, kind of just figuring out the business? Anything that stands out? Um, I mean, I think that the-, the Anything you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that was really like a pivotal moment for us back in the early days was making the decision to to touch all the product and like really run operations because I think it's a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, want to be in businesses that just work in sort of zeros and ones and they don't want to like touch anything. So it's, it's, uh, and I think our decision to no, we want to really do the hard stuff. We want to touch all the product. We want to do logistics and operations and all the nitty gritty messy stuff. Um, I think was really a moment for us taking on, I think some of the hardest challenges. And I think over time that's really built up enormous advantages for us as a business. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think that when I talk to other entrepreneurs, I always make sure that the stuff that they're working on is, is actually quite hard because if it's not really hard, uh, chances are like, it's not going to be that impactful. Um, and so I like that we've taken on the hardest, the hardest problems. I would say um, one of the things that was really attractive to me early on, and I still think is true, and I think turns into a great business competitive edge is it felt like in the beginning and still today that there's very few layers of bureaucracy, there's very few walls. And so while maybe I, by definition, my role is on the engineering team, there were very few domains that I could not explore and and participate in and i feel like um that's really been great and yeah amazing i think that's all we have for you today but thank you so so much for speaking with us and for taking us through a little bit of, of your journey with Toretto. yes thank you so much awesome thanks guys thank I you appreciate all. it have a good rest of your thank year you. all right cheers bye Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Eagle Eye. Remember to follow The Heights on Instagram and Facebook to recommend guests you'd like to hear from and check out The Heights Facebook and Twitter pages every Monday for the latest headlines. See you next time. Bye.